0: This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of Record for the Left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. It's Wednesday, and it's the return of Chip Gibbons for Chip Chat. Hey, Chip. Hello. We took last week off for Thanksgiving, a holiday full of all sorts of uh, snacks. We often talk about snacks on this segment. Um... How was your how was your Thanksgiving, Chip? Did you enjoy any Thanksgiving snacks?
1: I uh I ate too much. I drank too much. I uh watched too many. I guess I didn't watch too many movies. I watched I watched the right amount of movies. Um <laughs> so I guess I uh did did what you do on Thanksgiving. Um as we mentioned last time, I am pescatarian, so there was no turkey for me. Um I had some 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 fish. Uh, The day after, with my leftovers, I broiled a crab cake, Mm -hmm. which I had never actually done. I did not make the crab cake myself, but I bought like an uncooked pre-made crab cake and I cooked it in my parents' broiler, or Mm. my father did. I I can't really take credit for this. And it was actually really delicious. Crab cakes Uh, are
0: great. I'm a big crab cake fan here.
1: You and I will have to, when there's a vaccine, uh, go and get some crab cakes. I would love that. We also both like, we discovered we both like mussels last time as well. Yeah. Uh, we will have to have a seafood feast.
0: I would absolutely love that, Chip. There's a there's a seafood uh, market. I
2: can order.
0: Go ahead, Sam. What's
1: that, Sam night? You don't. I was need... gonna say I can
2: order the uh, chicken tenders off the kids menu. <laughs> uh,
1: vegetarian, vegetarian though.
0: Well, I was gonna say there is a seafood market. Um, near my house that we could get some fresh seafood at and cook it. Or there's plenty of, I mean, this is the area for crab cakes. So uh, plenty of places we can, establishments we can go to as well. But uh, I'm going to hold you to this, Chip. We're going do to the, do the chip chat seafood bake with some chicken fingers for Sam Knight.
1: Is it Sam Knight vegetarian? Did I imagine that?
0: No. No, 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 no. My wife is. I'm not.
1: Oh. I distinctly remember you coming over to my house and telling me you did not eat meat, but I'm just gonna pretend like that didn't happen. I don't eat fish. I okay. really wish I eat fish,
2: hence the uh, chicken tender joke there. Maybe Every I time, time I eat seafood, I, I, I find myself not liking it. Every time I... I
1: made a lot of Manhattans for you, Sam, and I'm fairly certain I recall learning you telling me you did not eat meat, but perhaps I just have had one too many Manhattans and have had an invented memory. Shall we... Uh, yeah, I,
2: that might have been it. I think it was invented slightly. Or you
1: lied, Sam, and you're trying to get out of lie now. We'll never know. It's a chip-chat mystery.
0: <laughs> it is indeed. Shall we uh, move on to the important matters?
1: Yes, yes. So last Our... time
0: we talked with you, Chip, we talked about uh, President Trump uh, weighing troop withdrawals from Iraq and Afghanistan, and we did get some... An, we did get some announcements of troop withdrawals: two thousand out of Afghanistan, two thousand out of Iraq. Still going to be uh, thousands of troops in both countries, so st- still uh, a long way from ending the forever wars. And we, you know, briefly talked about Trump's legacy uh, in terms of foreign policy and U.S. militarism, and now we have some more stuff to add to that legacy. Uh, Since we last talked, uh, a top Iranian nuclear scientist, Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, was assassinated. There are questions behind uh, who is responsible for that assassination. Uh, The Iranians have alleged that uh, Israel is behind it. Uh, Hard to imagine a scenario where Israel is uh, embarking on an assassination without the U.S. knowing about it uh, as well. Immediately after the assassination, Trump was retweeting uh, reports about it. Uh, there's there's questions about how this was carried out. Um, Iranian news agencies report that it was highly sophisticated, that it was basically a, a drone truck, a truck with a, a machine gun mounted on top of it that uh, was used to kill the scientist, and then the truck self-detonated Um where are you at on this, Chip? What are your What are your What's your reaction to this news?
1: Well, obviously, I don't have any, you know, intelligence that you don't have. I've, I've seen the debate about whether or not the remote-controlled weapon that the Iranian government claims did the uh, killing is even feasible or not, or if that's just Iran's attempt to uh, make the killing seem more sophisticated than it was. I think the logical suspect here is Israel. As we know, Israel has a uh, real tendency of carrying out assassinations, not just of Palestinian resistance leaders, but during the Obama years, they carried out a whole series of assassinations of Iranian uh, nuclear scientists and other officials uh, in, in Iran. They were murdered in Iran by, by the Israelis, and that this is part of a pattern of behavior. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel also recently had a secret meeting, so this is certainly, um, you know, in line with this. I think fear from Israel, this fear from Saudi Arabia, this fear from certain war uh, warmongering types within the U.S. establishment that a Biden administration will be uh, particularly will be less aggressive towards Iran than the Trump administration would be, which is not to say that I think Biden will be not aggressive towards Iran, but there's talk of rejoining the Iranian nuclear agreement. As you know, Trump pulled out of it uh, for no, no real reason. And I, I want to stress what I always stress on this program, which is that Iran does not have a nuclear weapons program. This is not my opinion. This was the conclusion of 16 U.S. intelligence agencies prior to 2003. Iran did have a nuclear weapons program per the U.S. intelligence community, at which point discontinued it. Uh, the individual who was assassinated, uh, Moshe Fakir was the person who was in charge of the weapons program pre-2003. Uh, since then, you know, Iran has considered continued to pursue a nuclear program, a nuclear energy program, which the U.S. media frequently conflates, or sometimes outright states, is a nuclear weapons program, which is false per U.S., and I believe also Israeli intelligence. Uh, and the U.S. government, of course, makes this baseless claim in public frequently. Um, so there is no you know, Iranian nuclear weapons program. Uh, The result of Trump, you know, a nuclear energy program could be converted into a nuclear weapons program, just as technical capabilities. And the result of Trump pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal is that Iran has increased its stockpile of enriched uranium, and that Iran is could convert to a nuclear weapons program in an even shorter timeline than it could before. I'm not saying Iran's going to do that. But you know, if, your concern was somehow that the uh, Iranian-Iran agreement... Uh, gave Iran too much leeway, I don't really think that was a valid concern, but if that was your concern, which was Trump's stated concern, then, you know, Trump's policy of pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal is a complete and total failure based on its stated purpose. Of course, if you want to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal to make a big show and saber-rattle and sort of escalate the sanctions against Iran and look tough— And sort of, you know, put the wheels of regime change in motion, then, you know, that's a different story. And we can discuss why we think Trump really did pull out of the Iranian nuclear agreement. But on its stated face, it was another failed policy by Donald Trump. But I do think there is concern from some people that they're losing their window of opportunity to take the particularly bellicose, particularly aggressive actions against Iran, and that part of the goal of assassinating this person is to will away at the possibilities Biden has. Right, if Israel or the U.S. government or another actor assassinates this person, and then Iran retaliates, which you know most sovereign nations probably probably do retaliate when you kill their high-profile civilians and war crimes. Like that's not you know, something only a diabolical or evil nation would do. I'm not a fan of the Iranian government, not even, not even a little bit. I'm not going to pretend like that just because they're just favored by the U.S. that I am. But like, it would not be an irrational or diabolical thing for Iran to respond to this. Any sovereign state would. And then, you know. Well, it also
0: it, it also wouldn't be that irrational. And I'm I'm an anti nukes guy. I don't think that countries should embark on nuclear programs even i'm i'm not a big fan of nuclear energy either um but given the situation iran finds itself in where the world's superpower is constantly threatening it uh, a world superpower that is armed with nukes uh, a regional uh, rival in israel that's conducting all sort of operations against iran also nuclear powered um i mean it A a rational state actor would be to try to acquire nuclear weapons on their own, despite the high costs of that program, of such a program.
1: Yeah, I, I think when we look at what a rational actor would do in this case, I mean, Iran, I don't think Iran is an irrational state. I think there is a tendency, including amongst critic sometimes of US foreign policy to assume that if you are in, uh, one of the states that is demonized by the US, you must be a totally irrational actor. I feel like Iran has acted fairly fairly rationally throughout this whole ordeal. I mean, even after we assassinated one of their generals, they did not retaliate in, in, in a heavy handed way to avoid sort of giving Trump a, a pretext to, to embark on a larger war. Um, so it, it, it is it is possible that Israel, the Iran hawks within the Trump administration, did this in hopes to provoke a retaliation from Iran, and then Joe Biden would be unable to rejoin the Iranian nuclear weapons agreement, or, or sorry, nuclear agreement, or Joe Biden is stuck with sort of an escalating conflict that he can't. He could back away from but the nature of of Washington being what it is. You know, you couldn't back away from. And that's a really serious and really dangerous situation. I have continuously said from before the election to after the election, my worst fears is that if Trump loses and he's lost, he will use the time to try to start a war with Iran. It's a very real fear. I would also remind you that in between the time period uh, that, you know, Bush was a lame duck, Israel embarked on this very brutal bombing of the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip is one of the world's, if not the world's, most densely populated areas. I think something like 50 percent of people in Gaza are UN-registered refugees. It is an open-air prison. There is no freedom of movement. So they basically put people in the world's largest uh, prison camp and just came in and dropped bombs on them and then ended very quickly before Obama got in because they thought this was one of their last chances to do that kind of action. Of course, that wasn't true. They they engaged in two more very brutal bomb, bomb bombardments of Gaza while Obama was president. But, you know, it's not out of line with the pattern and practice of Israel's behavior to think that a new administration that might give us less of a blank check. Joe Biden has notoriously, though, been a big backer of, of Israel. I suspect that was, you know— well, never mind. But but, but so I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems to me like this is an act designed to either get in one last aggression against Iran before Biden comes in or to more likely limit Biden's choices. I also really don't think Biden's going to be that much of a constraining influence on Israel, given his own record and given the fact that Israel was carrying out these types of assassinations while Obama was president.
2: An interesting uh, dynamic that has uh, developed during the Trump years, especially or specifically with how the U.S. uh, government has acted vis-a-vis Iran, is that uh, we have seen countries pretty much openly defying U.S. sanctions on Iran that were imposed uh, to tank the Iran nuclear deal. And I'm wondering if you think, or if there is even the possibility of uh, the U.S. and Israel sort of overplaying their hand here, and if Iran does not retaliate, and it seems like they have good incentive to not retaliate, because they're increasingly being seen, I feel, as as a more, uh, increasingly being seen as a rational actor uh, in the region when that wasn't necessarily true before. Um, So yeah, do you see this as possibly leading to the US uh, overplaying its hand in losing, basically losing power and authority on on the global stage because of this?
1: That's a really good question. I suspect there's gonna be a, a US reset, if you will, when Biden comes to power, I think a lot of people might treat the trump years as an aberration i think if people are smart they will remember that a trump like figure can return i think iran if it's smart will be hesitant to to give too much to the biden administration knowing that when biden leaves some crackpot republican could come into power and, and maybe one more competent than trump and do all sorts of awful things i mean the whole world basically has relations with cuba right people trade with cuba people go on vacation in cuba and the u.s has tried to put like secondary sanctions on like businesses like do business with cuba as part of i believe the helms burton act which was passed under under clinton so this is not the first time the u.s is out of step with the entire world um you know on the cuba issue right the chamber of commerce wants normalized relations with with cuba there's a capitalist case for uh not not embargoing cuba that the rest of the world is quite sold on um so i I don't know if this really damages the u.s the u.s sort of went it alone in in iraq obviously they had tony blair and the uk helping them they had spain for a while the philippines but like this is not the first time the u.s has been at odds with most of the world on an important policy matter uh i think you know a lot of our allies were against or the french were against the sanctions we had on iraq during the 90s and as part of the oil for food program like france got contracts whereas u.s companies did not which was one of the whole like bush era like the french are corrupt you know, arguments. The reason they're not supporting our noble war in in Iraq is because the French are benefiting from the oil for food program. I don't know if we're going too far down memory lane with that <laughs> one, but uh, you Take know, it, taking
2: so, me back to Freedom Fries. More right relations
1: with the country. Um, you know, so we, we we've been in this position before. I I don't I don't I don't know. I see the point you're making, and it'll be interesting to see how. I mean, we're always told that Trump is damaging, you know, the U.S.'s image abroad. But, like, which of the Western powers have really stood up to Trump? None of them, right? At the end of the day, there might be minor disagreements. You know, Canada, the U.K. won't send its troops to Vietnam. France won't join in in the Iraq War. Nor will Germany but, you know, at the end of the day, with some minor exceptions throughout the post-World War II era, maybe like Charles de Gaulle pulling, pulling France out of NATO, there's not a lot of people in the Western world who are you know, willing to stand up to U.S. hegemony.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's important to remember in uh, discussions about the U.S.'s uh, geopolitical Dominance in the decline, it's important to remember how dog shit Western European countries are and Canada are, and how much they like to uh, rely on our hegemo- hegemony uh, to, to economically benefit their own ruling classes.
1: Yeah, and also in some ways, they're basically vassal states, right? I mean, what happened to Harold Wilson in, in the UK?
0: Yeah, well, we uh, are embarking on a, a fairly dangerous month and a half during this transition. Daily Beast reporting that uh, Trump has told Pompeo to uh, go wild on Iran, um, do whatever, just don't risk World War III. Um, okay. You know, most of the time, countries aren't trying to start world wars. Uh, they're started as a result of escalating actions that the the precipitating action didn't anticipate. So um, we could be uh, headed toward a series of actions that could get out of hand. And uh, as we said at the beginning, Iran has operated as a rational actor, choosing not to escalate tensions much after uh, Soleimani was assassinated. And we have yet to see the response to this assassination of the uh the nuclear scientist but um you know these things can get out of hand real fast
1: yeah no and it's really disturbing especially if israel or saudi arabia uh thinks that if they attack iran the u.s will come to their rescue which the u.s will not because they're yeah. subservient to saudi arabia or israel you know they don't control our policy but because there is a Group of people within the dare I say deep state uh, who deeply want a war with Iran and would 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 love that Saudi Arabia or Israel to give us the chance to pursue one where they feel like they don't have the constraints of, you know, the US political process because the war is already going on and we have to come to our uh, wonderful allies, a apartheid state and theocratic monarch that like beheads people and is starving the people of Yemen, you know what better friends could you have in the Middle East? How could you not stand up for them if they start a war of aggression against Iran?
0: Yep. Well said, Chip. We uh, appreciate your time each week on Chip Chat. Any any final thoughts on uh, any other matters happening?
1: Yeah. So today is Wednesday, December 2nd, which makes it the 51st anniversary of the murder of Fred Hampton and Mark Clark by the Chicago police in in a raid that was orchestrated by the FBI. There's of course an episode of the Still Spying podcast about about this event, but I just wanted to remind people of of the anniversary today. You know, Fred uh, Hampton was a very fascinating and and powerful orator and organizer. He helped start, you know, the original Rainbow Coalition with the Black Panthers, the Young Lords, which is a predominantly Puerto Rican working class organization with the Young Patriots, which is a, a very sort of interesting group of, I guess, people from the Appalachian region who lived in in Chicago that sort of transcended, you know, racial lines and sort of organized along class interest, uh, specifically around slum lords and and police brutality. And he was killed in the police raid in what looks an awful lot like an assassination. Yeah.
0: yeah. Looks like that. To he me. would have
2: been a uh, 72 years old, too. So young guy, um, he probably would have still been
0: alive uh, if, if not murdered by the government.
1: Yeah, that's a real tragic story.
0: Chip Gibbons is a journalist whose work has appeared in all sorts of outlets from Jacobin to The Washington Post. He's also the policy director over at the excellent organization defending rights and dissent, though everything he says on Chip Chat are his own words. He speaks only for himself. Chip is also the host of the podcast Still Spying. What's the latest going on over there?
1: We're working on our final three or four episodes. The next one should be on the Young Lords, interestingly enough. I'm up late. In the middle of the night, last night, reading some of the Cointel Pro papers about Puerto independence groups. And then we have an interview already in the bag about the McCarthy period that I'm very excited about. And the final episode will, of course, be about the FBI's uh, decade long campaign against my own group, our own group, Defending Rights and Dissent. And there may be another episode. And if you're sad the podcast is ending, I have uh, a rumor, a rumor, and rumors are sometimes true, that I might be hosting another limited podcast series after that, focusing on issues with the Espionage Act, um, whistleblowers, and national security journalism.
0: Ooh. Very cool. Rumors are sometimes true. And-
1: They're false, though.
0: And yes, that's true. And uh, if people are in withdrawals over the end of Still Spying, they can catch Chip here on District Sentinel Radio every Wednesday Chip? for Chip Chat. He ain't going away anytime soon, folks.
1: I can't escape. I've been kidnapped. I'm actually being held by the Sams in a, in a basement. Uh, that's right. That's
0: perfect.
2: Not, Neither Benghazi nor Chip Chat are going away.
0: <laughs> Chip, have a good rest of the week. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Thank you. you. Have a good rest of the week, too.